I have a story about being snowblind. I don't know if you guys have ever had this happen to you before, but uh, I was excited to talk about driving in the snow on this episode because I grew up in the mountains. Um, my house was right around like 4,000 feet elevation, so we saw snow pretty frequently. I got a lot of practice driving in it, uh, but once I was up on a pass called Tollgate Pass uh, here in Oregon, which runs from the Elgin, Oregon area uh, to like Walla Walla, Pendleton, Milton Freewater area for you truckers out there that understand. So really, really bad snow gets uh, pushed through this area all the time. You go right up and over the top of a mountain. The reflectors that they have on the sides of the roads are like 12 feet tall because they will literally, you know, make a wall of snow when they're plowing it off the road. I'm cruising in my little yellow 2001 Ford Focus and it starts like <laughs> blizzard conditions probably about 10 p.m. at night. I'm in the mountains. There's no civilization anywhere around me. And I'm talking big, like golf ball sized snowflakes. And there's no there's no road lights or anything. I'm traveling by the lights on the Ford. And all of a sudden I realize I can't really see the walls anymore. And I don't really know if I'm going straight. Like I can't I, I can't orient myself at all. I oh can't see anything out of any of the windows other than just driving snow. And I've heard that what you're supposed to do is try to pull over and stop. And then you're supposed to turn your lights off and you're supposed to turn your brake lights on so that people don't accidentally follow you and drive right into you. Well, you guys, I waited in the road for what seemed like an hour and a half, but was probably about, you know, a minute or two. <laughs> and I was parked sideways across the highway, you guys. No way. Car in both lanes, two-way highway, 55 miles an hour. I don't feel like I drove more than a few hundred yards after I realized that I couldn't see anything, but I was completely sideways in the road and just parked there. On a scale of one to 10, how terrified were you? Check my seat because it needed <laughs> replacement cleaning. I mean, it was, I, I honestly never really had anything that was that scary, but when in the moment it wasn't as scary because I thought I was safe. I was pulled over and I was like, okay, I'm on the side of the road where I should be, but I couldn't see. And, and that snow wall the, where the plows go through that I was talking about, it was behind me and in front of me. And I thought it was beside me the entire time. It was just really disorienting. And we're going to get to a little bit later in the podcast, um, some recommendations from weather.com actually, that will kind of help you out if stuff like this goes wrong, because it can be hairy driving in the snow. Man alive, all I can keep thinking about is the town named Walla Walla. Uh, that That's a fun <laughs> name, but I've never really had anything like this happen to me. I live in Nebraska, though, and our elevation isn't too high. Maria, have you ever been somewhere where you've been like snowed in or had like uh, snow blind happen to you? Yes, not necessarily snow blind, but we were in Arizona, and I thought, oh, you know, I'll pack shorts and a tank top because I'm from Indiana, and Arizona sounds warm. Um, and so we're there on vacation around Christmas time. It was actually New Year's and we were driving to the Grand Canyon and we stopped at this hotel in Arizona and they're like, oh yeah, we're going to get some snow tonight. We're like, what? Excuse me. We're sitting in the hot tub in our bathing suits, you know, like completely unaware. Um, it was not just a little bit of snow. We were snowed into this hotel. It took us a couple of days to get out of there. And then we went on through the mountains and could barely see. Roads were so slick. It took us four times as long to get to the Grand Canyon. And by the time we got to our next hotel, we were snowed in yet again. So New Year's was spent Gosh. in an empty hotel by the Grand Canyon, bringing in the New Year with a Shirley Temple. <laughs> A little better than being stuck uh, in snow blind, but definitely unexpected snow. Still a bummer, though. 
Yeah, and I've driven that from uh, Phoenix to Flagstaff to the Grand Canyon. There are some steep grades there, and when there's snow on the roads, I can't imagine what it's like for truck drivers. It was wild. Listen to stories from the road. This is Unplugged. OTR on the 10-4 Network. Hey everybody, welcome into Unplugged OTR. I am your host, Marcus. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, remember, if you have any response to any of the things that we're talking about today, you can go over to sayhi.chat slash OTR and leave us a voice message. And also, uh, whatever medium you listen to this podcast on, we want you to like and subscribe. It helps other people find the podcast and we want other truckers like you to listen to it. So like, subscribe, share with your friends, and don't forget to hit us up over at sayhi.chat slash OTR. As always, joining me today, we've got Marie. Maria, how are you today, Maria? I'm fantastic. A little cold, expecting snow, actually, here in Indiana. It's a good day for it. We are talking snow today on the podcast. Caleb, you got any of the pretty white stuff up there in Omaha? Not yet. And I could just tell how much Maria wanted to ask you how you were, Marcus, but she didn't because of last week and I'm your note to us. So I'm disciplined. <laughs> yeah. I listen. Even though... I go against that note all the time. Yeah, you guys are not allowed. That's all I have to say. I have to ask you guys, do you have your studded tires on yet? Because, Maria, you're expecting snow any day. Um, I, I drove in some snow last week coming home from the Thanksgiving holiday. Are we being safe? Do you guys what have your studs What the hell on? is a studded tire? What? All I know is I'm a stud. <laughs> I mean, is that, does that count for something? Absolutely not. You guys don't know what studded tires are in the Midwest? Never heard of them. Uh, I, I mean, it, look, they're just tires with little metal studs in them, but they really help for ice and, and packed snow conditions. I've gotten nails in my tire before. Does that count? Yeah. Also, no. Uh, oh, oh, this is a dumb yeah. question. Don't like you putting studs in the tires, like deflate the tires. Uh, I'm just dumb, I think. But like, how? How do they stay in? Some miraculous technology where they made the studs shorter than the walls and the tires, I'm sure. No, they, I mean, you can punch one through. It's happened before. Uh, you just take it into the tire shop, uh, Les Schwab, if you're here in the great Pacific Northwest, and uh, tell them, hey, I think I got a stud poke through. They take your t uh, tire and dunk it in a big pool of water, find the hole, and fix it. It's it's pretty simple, Caleb. Les, Les Schwab sounds like the fanciest like place to get your car. <laughs> car into yeah. it's not Le Le it's Le Schwab. Le Schwab. it's not a french guy it's a cowboy named less and god rest <laughs> his soul because he made an amazing tire empire over here that you guys don't have access to I, I don't know that it goes east of the rockies but truckers out there will know about les schwab great dude <laughs> les schwab for you frenchmen well, I'm really surprised that you guys haven't heard about studded tires, but all you truckers can feel safe out there. If you see the white 2014 Silverado rolling around here in Eugene, Oregon, and a bearded guy uh, behind the wheel, I've got my studs on. I'm not sliding. I'm all safe. And speaking of being safe, let's get on the horn with H&M driver Seth. Joining us today on Unplugged OTR, he is a driver for H&M since last August and also a former member of the U.S. Army. So we want to say, uh, Seth Eshide, thanks for your service, man, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, I understand you've had a close call uh, before as far as winter weather is concerned, snowy driving conditions. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, a close call that you had recently? 
Yeah, I've had a I've had a couple uh, since I started with H and M. One in particular, I got uh, stuck on the side of a mountain actually. Yikes! Down in uh, South Lake Tahoe. And how did that happen? Well, I had a load going basically across country all the way over to somewhere in California. Going across the 80, uh, you run into Reno, uh, Nevada. But anyways, there's a pass through there that gets hit pretty hard with snow almost year-round. When I got there, it, of course, got hit with three foot of snow. They closed down 11, like 11 miles in the other state through that pass. I can't remember the name of that pass. If it was like Donner Pass or something like that. I got stuck in Reno. The appointment time was getting close. And so I tried like twice to go through this pass and they kept turning me around, which is understandable. But I got impatient and I went south to try and get around the storm. By the time I got there, another storm had picked up and my GPS doesn't tell me that if I'm over length or not. Well, through... South Lake Tahoe, you can't be over 73 foot or something like that. With our combination, we're way past that. So I got stopped because they were doing avalanche testing to get all the snow down from the mountain and in Lake Tahoe. And a trooper turned me around, pointed me what direction I needed to go. Well, I turned around and I followed the direction he told me and ended up on a restricted access road that trucks could not be on and ended up on the side of a mountain my trailer was about three foot away from a basically straight down cliff holy crap that's terrifying yeah what was the state trooper doing sending you down this goat trail i mean you would think that he would know where you're supposed to be and he just sends you to a place that you absolutely can't go that's the funny thing because when he got to my when i called in to h&m the lady working for us at the time, she pulled up my camera and she started, what are you doing, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, I was told to go this way. As soon as I said that, the state trooper that told me to turn around knocks on my door. And I, <laughs> no and I open it. I'm not even kidding you. I open up my door and he's like, what in the world are you doing here? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you told me to go this way. And he's like... No, I didn't. He's like, I told you to turn right here at this intersection. I said, no, no, you did not. Man. And he's like, well, anyways, anyways, you're getting a ticket for it now. You're over length and you don't have chains on. And now you're on a restricted road. Oh, he started naming them off. It's already bad enough that you're stuck. And now you have a ticket from the guy who told you to go the place that you got stuck. (laughs) Oh, before he walked away, he stopped. Like, he stopped and turned around. He's like, I also mentioned there was a white sign that you had to look for. A white sign in the snow? <laughs> I said, hold on. You're ta- you're telling me in the middle of a blizzard, I'm supposed to be looking at for a white sign about three foot across and about two feet tall saying that I can't go this way? What <laughs> the heck? I can think of a couple creative names to call the state trooper right now. I definitely let loose, and... He's like, well, you're in the wrong. I'm like, it's two ways here, buddy. (laughs) Gosh. I would have put him on the phone with the person back at H&M and let her chew his ass for a while since this whole thing seems like it's his fault. Well, the thing is, um, our trucks are equipped with audio. So the entire time that I was dealing with the state trooper and the wrecker, they were listening and watching my camera. Okay. Good. Because they wanted to see everything that was going on and they... 
safety still couldn't believe it. Yeah, well, man alive. I'm glad that you had three feet before your truck slid off the side of the road. Uh, I've seen some trucks go off the side before in, in snowy conditions, and that's a lot of weight to hope it just doesn't go all the way to the bottom, you know? Yeah, I got stuck. I started off making a really, really sharp turn. You know, that's when it was really easy to see that you weren't supposed to be on that road because the trailer barely made the turn at the bottom of the mountain. I gained my momentum to get back up the top. You got to remember, I'm dealing with really heavy snowfall and dealing with the snowfall that's already on the ground that hasn't been touched by plows yet. So how did this all end then? My company ended up calling a wrecker service. The wrecker came out. Apparently, it was me at the very top, and then there was another guy at the very bottom of the hill that the state trooper, he sent two of us this way. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And so the wrecker had to pull him out. When the wrecker got up to me, and this this guy got out of this truck, and he was small. He was tiny. He was, like, in his mid-30s. He had to have been, like, five foot three. Oh, man. Okay. Just skinnier than a toothpick. But he comes out, and uh, in my head, I was just like, don't say it. Don't you say it. He's like, well, it looks like you're stuck. And I'm like, there it is. exactly what you wanted to hear i just i laughed and i'm like yeah and i explained he's like well we need to get your chains on and i said i don't know how to do that they never even taught us in uh driver school the one that i went to he's like well yeah i'll walk you through it and then uh we gotta get you down this hill i said well let me guess i gotta back down the whole way don't i he said yep that's the only way Oh, no. I said, well, whatever goes up must come down. It's like, let's get started. <laughs> and you just backed all the way down the hill, and then you were free to go on your way after that? Back down the mountain, and then uh, still had to back up about another two miles yet away from, from the mountain to get into some guy's driveway. And then the wrecker could yank the front of the truck around, pull me out of this driveway, and then I was facing the right direction to get out of there. I don't know if I've ever even backed up for a full two miles in my life in every four-wheeler no. combined that I've ever driven. I can't imagine doing it in uh, in an 18-wheeler. W- were you just like nervous the whole time that something was going to go wrong, or were you pretty confident when you were backing down? I was laughing the whole way down, and I was like, this is a really <laughs> dumb situation, and I was like, I was whistling and everything. And <laughs> Did this experience change the way that you prepare uh, when you see snow in the forecast? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. For example, uh, when I came back out from home time Monday, this last Monday, it was freezing rain. Started at like 3 in the morning. It was coming down really, really heavy. I walked downstairs and my dad was already awake. Like I was already debating on leaving because I could hear it from from my room. He's like, well, are you ready to go? I'm like, well, I guess that kind of decides it for for me right there. If, if you're asking me if I'm ready to go, I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, well, I got to go outside and start my truck and see what it's like. I just made kind of a quick judgment call and said, you know, if it's doing this now and it's not freezing, I bet I could get out of it before it does. By the time I got my dad dropped me off at my semi, it, it kind of started to let up a little bit. And I just decided if I don't go now, it's going to come back and it's going to get worse. And I drove for not even... 15 miles and I drove out of it. Okay. that's. I'm glad you drove out of it because freezing rain is terrifying. But speaking of emergencies like that, is there anything that you keep in your truck for emergencies like snow and ice and things like that besides chains? 
Um, yeah, I mean, obviously we have to have chains, but um, I try my best to at least carry some, like some kind of salt. I do get stuck just to dump it around the tires and let it melt real quick and give it one last go before I call in. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any advice from your moments in the snow for drivers who maybe haven't had experience in as much snow? The only real advice that I could really say is um, if you're questioning about the drives because of the weather, follow your gut. H&M tells us all the time, you are the captain. You're the captain of the ship. You know, you whatever you say goes. The weather's bad. The weather's bad. Park it. Yeah. If you have any any kind of hesitation at all regarding the weather, always follow your gut. That's good advice, because I, I, I think that that's always uh, you can talk yourself out of being worried about something if you spend enough time talking yourself out of it. It's it's really hard to uh, just stay with those first instincts that you have. But I, like I said, I think it's good advice because even in a four wheeler, if you're looking at the weather and you're thinking like, well, I might be able to make it, you probably aren't well enough equipped if you're thinking <laughs> I might be able to make it. Obviously, if, if you're a, if you're driving a big rig, you know, you guys have a lot more experience with that type of stuff. So I would think your gut is even more important to listen to because you're going to be the first person that really knows how bad it truly is out there. The more you contemplate about driving, the more the answer turns into no. Yeah. Like the more that no answer grows. Like, well, I could do this or, well, I could go this way. No, no. If you're going a set direction and the weather is bad that way, don't go. Just don't. Be smart about it. Don't go. It, the load's not worth your life. It takes a minute to make a phone call to your dispatcher and just explain, hey, weather's getting bad. I'm just going to stay put for right now. If your dispatcher is, is telling you to oh, can you, can you try? And you do, and you get stuck, and you're screwed. It's nice that H&M empowers you to be the captain of your rig, and like you get to make that call based on your gut. Uh, there's, there's definitely dispatchers and companies that don't allow that to happen. And Marcus, you brought up four-wheelers, and I guess I just wanted to pick your brain, Seth, about what would you tell four-wheelers about driving around trucks in the winter weather? Or do you have, like, just any big pet peeves from four-wheelers? I mean, realistically, what if you think about it, any person that doesn't drive a semi, at some point in their life, they're going to say, oh, I hate semis. We don't like four-wheelers around us any more than the four-wheelers like being around us. <laughs> Two-way street, huh? Yeah, Absolutely. We, we don't like you just as much as you don't like us being around you. It's a, it's a pet peeve of mine if somebody's hanging behind me and I can't see them, but I know they're back there, or if they're hanging right beside me. Yeah. There's no, there's no reason for that. Absolutely no reason. Yeah, there is a draft. I get it. 100% get it. But what happens if, you know, a deer comes flying across me or, you know, if I'm say I'm being really complacent and I don't see a truck on the side of the road and he's coming right out and he whips right in front of me thinking he has enough time. You know, you're going to have zero reaction time if you're that close. And, and I will just say as a four-wheeler myself that uh, I would much rather only be surrounded by trucks on the highway uh, because 
You're predictable. I know what you're what you guys are going to do. You're going to be making the safe decision and uh, 99 times out of 100 the right decision. Whereas I hate most four wheelers too. You guys can't drive. If you're <laughs> out there listening to this in a four wheeler right now, none of us can drive. We're all idiots out here and uh, <laughs> give the trucks room, especially in the damn snow. I think all this stuff is important to be said. It's funny. It's tongue in cheek. But at the same time, yeah, give me trucks every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So when it comes to like a following distance, is there a specific following distance that you like to maintain in the in the winter weather compared to just regular weather? Like for winter driving, you have to take the extra precautions. I, I mean, every second of every day, you know, you got to be mindful of what everybody else is doing as well. So say if you're like on dry pavement, um, normally for me, like if I'm fully loaded, like 75, 80,000, I like to at least keep three football fields. Oh, okay. Now, now when snow... I, I slow way down. Every person that passes me, in the back of my mind, I always think they could potentially spin out in front of me. That's a, that's just it shows how stressful it can be out on the road, that that's something that's constantly running through your mind is the chance that one of these idiots is going to just uh, you know, try too hard to get to where they're going mm-hmm. too fast and ruin not only your day, but a lot of other people's day as well. Yeah, I mean, there's too many people out here, especially in four-wheelers, that think they're in a rally cross race trying to get from point <laughs> A to B as quick as they can just to have bragging rights. It's not a time attack. We don't have laps out here. Tomorrow's never granted, you know? Right, yeah. Got to finish the trip. Yeah, don't be that type to make that dumb move just to squeeze the accelerator just a little bit harder because, you know, your challenger can do 180 mile an hour or whatever. There's no point. Yeah. Nobody nobody wants to come to your funeral at 33 years old. <laughs> yeah. Not well put. at all. And and I, I thank you for sharing uh, your your strategies and your following distance guidelines. Three football fields is, uh, is a good amount. And we always love to ask this question on Unplugged OTR, but do you have any other crazy stories besides the winter driving story that you obviously told us from your time of being a truck driver? Yeah, there was, um, if you guys remember earlier this year, the storm that hit um, I-55. Well, I was making a trip from Wisconsin down to uh, Effingham. That trip took me three days. Wow. Jeez. It only, it's not very far. It's only a couple hundred miles. It rained ice and then snowed on top of that and then started raining again. And then it hit sub-zero temperatures with high winds. Okay, so a windy skating rink is what you're driving on. (laughs) Yep. Well, I was driving on that I-55 South to get to Effingham. And I was pretty close. I was like 50, 60 miles away. I was not very far away. Well, it went from... You know, you could see easy a quarter mile down to, like, barely in front of you. Oh, man. I passed this tanker driver um, from Schneider kind of swerving. This trailer was swerving, so I could assume that he was empty. Well, I didn't like that feeling that I got from him, and I just coasted my truck by him. Well, it wasn't a mile down the road, and traffic was stopped. I looked behind me. And people are just flying into the ditch behind me. No way. And Sh- and Schneider is parked halfway, like in the median. Oh no! Off to my left, like I look back and I could see his the front of his truck, um, just in the median, just chilling there. Thank God for your gut feeling that time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Get by him and get that behind you. What a lucky choice that was. I gambled on it and just rolled the dice and 
just something in my head just said, do it. Do it now. If you're not going to do it now, you're going to get hurt. Last question for you. Uh, if you were to say, what do you think the uh, worst state for driving in the winter is? Oh, that could literally be anywhere. I didn't think that pass to California was going to get that bad. But worst state. Or maybe just your least favorite. Like if you see a state <laughs> yeah. on your on your uh, on your you know itinerary that's like, hey, you got to go here, and it's the middle of December. Which one gives you a little bit of pause? Anything over towards the west, just because of the mountains over that way. Uh, temperature changes super super fast. It could be hot one day and then super cold the next. Anything through the mountains that go through Colorado all the way up to like Montana and over towards like Oregon and washington i don't blame you yep that's a rough place to drive in the snow yeah when they get hit they get hit they do i just i couldn't believe that they did get hit by that but then again you can never disregard mother nature we have a saying over here in the pacific northwest seth that is uh, if you don't like the weather wait five minutes and it'll change <laughs> and i think you just really described that very well there it, it can be a very beautiful day that can turn into a nightmare very quick uh, seth we really want to thank you for taking the time and sharing all your experience with us today uh, you're welcome back here on unplugged otr anytime thank you so much for being here and once again thanks for your service yes thank you very much thanks for having me Appreciate Seth sharing his time with us there. Say hi.chat slash OTR if you want to tell us any of your stories about getting stuck or stranded in the snow or maybe just sent off on a wild goose chase by a state trooper. Uh, Caleb, Maria, what do you guys think are the worst states or a worst state for driving in the snow? Michigan, 100%. I mean, so we've heard a couple drivers talk about uh, the Donner Pass now, and I feel like that that could be it uh, just like California, but... There's also Southern California, so probably not. I've driven to Minnesota a few times in the winter, and that can be a nightmare. That's terrible sometimes. So I'd say Minnesota. It's funny that like getting stuck or stranded in the snow is only the second worst thing that can happen to you on the Donner Pass. That's one thing I think <laughs> is very important. Yeah. Well, I have the top 10 or the bottom 10, I guess, worst states for snow driving here. Uh, my source is insurance stats from SafeWise, which when you're talking about automobile accidents, insurance companies are a good place to go. Coming in at the beginning of the list, number 10 is actually your home state, Caleb, uh, Nebraska. Oh. You you don't have a huge chance to get caught in a crash due to snow, but it does make the list. Well, I'd like to thank all the terrible drivers in Nebraska for making this award possible. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, Caleb. It's a relatively low possibility, a 0.31 chance out of 100,000 drivers. So um, way okay. less than 1%. You're probably not. It's probably not going to happen. And you don't even know what studded tires are. So I'm not convinced that you're driving in the snow a lot up there. Uh, not, not too often. I mean, a little bit. Now, one that you might have expected and one that uh, Maria brought up is Michigan. They come in at number six on the list there in Michigan. Pretty big jump from where we were in Nebraska, 0.594 out of 100,000 drivers uh, for you to get caught in a, a crash there. I really thought Michigan would be worse, especially with the metropolitan area and just where it's at, you know, up there next to the Great Lakes. A lot of inclement weather. For sure. Um, but, you know, they're not as bad as some other states. Nobody hit number one. Do either one of you guys want to take a stab at number one before I just give it away? I don't know, Caleb. What do you think? Florida. Just kidding. I don't know. Honestly. Florida. That's the one. I'll second that. Florida did not make the top 49, oh. I don't think. So oh, wow. Darn it's important it. to remember. <laughs> I was really hoping. 
But the worst state in the union, it probably won't surprise you, is the very sparsely populated and also very snowy state of Wyoming. That makes sense. That makes total sense. Um, (laughs) Where one and a half out of every 100,000 drivers will get caught in a wreck in the snow in Wyoming. So So don't move to um, Wyoming. Don't do it. Yeah. Well, nobody is anyway. I mean, I think that state has like a half million people as a population. It's crazy. Yeah, that's that's all they have. And I mean, a lot of them live like near I-80. And so I'm sure most of those accidents come from just the traffic going across the state because they have to get through Wyoming to get to the western part of the country. Yep, exactly. And and people that grew up in snowy conditions, like if you are born and raised in Wyoming, it's probably not a weird thing for you to have some sort of snow apparatus. I mean, my high school wrestling team took snowmobiles to a wrestling meet once because the roads were closed and we could not drive but everybody oh had gosh. a damn snowmobile. So we all signed a waiver and hopped on snowmobiles. And a couple hours later, we were in a, a town that would have taken us some six hours to drive to. Could we not have just gone up and over the hill on snowmobiles? So I'd pay to see that. It, it was pretty cool. But I, it's like I say, like if you're born and raised in this stuff, you kind of get used to it. It's people traveling through that all of a sudden you're like, there's six feet of snow on the side of the road and I'm not from here. Yeah, <laughs> that would definitely uh, make me not want to drive there anymore. I'd turn around and go home. There's a couple stats that kind of surprised me, too, from this report from SafeWise. Rain causes significantly more accidents than snow, believe it or not. Five times as many accidents in the rain as there are in snow. That makes sense to me. Man. I've been in way more accidents, both in the car or just around the accident in rain than I ever have in snow. Yeah, obviously the the states get way more rain than they do snow, so it makes sense to a point. Yeah, and you talked about snow blind, but like rain blind, I feel like is a thing too because absolutely when it's raining and it's pouring super hard, especially if it's windy out and it's coming into your windshield, like you can't see a blessed thing. And I've been stuck in a couple of those before in Nebraska. Yeah, rain can be nasty, and I think that the name of the game is definitely slow down in inclement weather. Uh, Everybody can be saved by that advice. This is actually just another stat kind of related to that 2,368 fatalities from crashes in the rain in 2016, uh, only 482 from snow. So I think that this might kind of point in the direction of people... Maybe like Seth was saying, they listen to their instinct and they trust their gut and they just don't go. Or maybe they're a little bit better prepared. Maybe they see the snow in the forecast and actually take some precautions rather than just like, if I see rain in the forecast, that's just like seeing sun in the forecast a lot of the time. I'm <laughs> yeah. driving in it. You know, I got to go. So, and I actually have uh, some things here from weather.com uh, that are things that will prepare you for uh, driving in snow or also if you were to get stranded in the snow. Uh, Of course, like we said, slow down. Um, You should always let somebody know where you're going. It's a real forgotten piece of advice. But like if if all of a sudden you're gone and you didn't tell anybody and you're just stuck on the side of a mountain somewhere in a snowstorm. Talk about worst fears. I mean, like that to me, someone always knows where I am. I could go to the grocery store and I am letting someone know because anything can happen at any time. Best piece of advice ever. <laughs> I'm not married yet, but my mommy always knows where I am, so that you helps. You know what? I tell my mom too. It's all good. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's normal. When you finally when you finally get married, Caleb, we'll take your mom's air tracker away and uh, give okay. back to your wife <laughs> so she can yeah. know, all right? Um, another myth that I hear a lot about is people saying pump the brakes in the snow. That's something that a lot of four wheelers don't know. If you have anti-lock brakes, um, you don't need to pump the brakes. If you're driving an old classic vehicle, please, God, pump the brakes if you start to slide. (laughs) But if you are in a Toyota Camry like Caleb's, 
just go ahead and apply pressure to that brake. Uh, that will keep the wheels from locking up, which is the last thing. If you get stuck during a storm, like you can't go any further and you're just you're sitting there and your car is still functional, uh, weather.com says you should run the vehicle every 10 minutes or for 10 minutes every hour, sorry, to stay warm. But you also need to crack the window a little bit and uh, also clear snow away from the exhaust pipe while you're doing that just to make sure that you don't get carbon monoxide poisoning, which is a true uh, danger in this situation. That takes some self-control, only 10 minutes in the cold to warm yeah. up, and then you just got to retain that body heat the best you can. I am a cold thing. I would be miserable. I would never think of like only running it for 10 minutes because the carbon dioxide, but that... I guess that makes sense because like if you turn your fireplace on in your house, you don't have the vent open or anything like you could die. But yep. I guess if you're in a car and you're stranded, you're not going to want to do that, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I would be probably on the side of the coin where I'm just keeping this thing going until I run out of gas, which probably isn't a smart thing either. That's not going to prolong my survival out there. Yeah, I would be with you, Marcus. And we all should take a page out of your book, Maria, because I know you take blankets and like coats and things like that. I I know that there's a blanket somewhere in my car, but I'm sure that it smells like my dogs and it's not one that would keep me very warm in a winter storm. My dad always told me, thanks dad, um, that I should keep blankets and coats in the trunk of my car, whether it's just for for me or for me and passengers. So I always have two nice winter coats and big blankets in my trunk and water. But the fun thing about water is it freezes in inclement weather. And so I have ice cubes and blankets and coats. <laughs> I've got one blanket, but it smells like my dogs too, Marcus. And I wouldn't want to like snuggle up with that. It's I mean, if I had to, home. I would. That's all that is. Yeah, sure. And then I have a Bible. I mean, but I don't have any water or food, so I've got a Bible and a blanket, folks. Well, I, I you know, it's going to take a lot of work out of that Bible to save you in this situation, Caleb, but it's a thing to have. And I mean, it, everybody <laughs> should, you know, who knows what I would be reading at that point in time. Probably an old wrinkled Sports Illustrated that's shoved under my seat somewhere. So All I've got's my manual, so... <laughs> I'm reading Revelations. Revelations is going in. <laughs> you know, I've got a story here. Uh, this actually comes from back in 2015. We talked about Michigan being a, a tough state to drive in during the snow. And uh, there were actually two sisters back in 2015, uh, Leslie Roy and Lee Marie Wright, 52 and 56, respectively, that were driving in the upper peninsula of Michigan. They're not from there. They're from Nebraska and Oklahoma, respectively. So hey. not maybe used to these conditions. Um, and they got stuck and they were actually out on the side of a hill somewhere in a snowstorm for nearly two weeks. Oh, um, crap. What? They found these two women in their 50s alive, believe it or not. They survived, much like I do during many winter months, by eating Girl Scout cookies and bags of cheese puffs. <laughs> Um, so always a good thing to have maybe a snack in your car too, which, you know, if you find me without Girl Scout cookies and Chiefs puffs, what am I even doing on the road? Yeah. I mean, at least you're stuck with those, those items to eat because, uh, I, I'll take some Thin Mints. Yeah, for yeah. real. Yes, I mean, yeah. if you're going to survive, that's the way to go. I was actually, um, last summer up in, um, Northern Michigan, up in the upper peninsula and, it just surprised me how few people actually live up there. It was it was unbelievable. And the cell reception, 
the worst cell reception I've ever had anywhere in the United States. Um, yep. And so I can imagine why they got stuck for two weeks, especially like in the snow. I went in the summer, so I didn't have that problem. But it is just so lightly populated that it, I mean, it's kind of like a Wyoming state too. Like there's, it's it's its upper peninsula is like its own little state almost. Which brings me to my next question: How has Wisconsin not just annexed that at this point in time? I mean, that upper peninsula doesn't <laughs> even touch Michigan. It's all Wisconsin. There's even an island out in the middle of Lake Superior that says that it belongs to Michigan. And the thing about Michigan too is, so if to go from like the southern part of Michigan up into the upper peninsula, there's this huge bridge that connects it. And their trucks hate that bridge because trucks have to go a specific speed limit on it. But in the winter, especially, it's terrible because bridges, they, they tend to freeze more. I'm pretty sure. I mean, they, there's signs that tell you bridges freeze more. Oh, yeah. That cold air going underneath that bridge without having that warmth of the ground. Absolutely. If I'm not mistaken, it's like one of the top five largest bridges in America or something like that. And so it's 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 can be a challenge. I mean, if you drive up to the Upper Peninsula in the winter, man, you are a brave soul. That's off I-75 up there uh, going through Mackinac City, it looks like is the last place that you're going to go and then yeah. right up and over the water. And you're right. I just zoomed in on it on Google Maps. That's a massive bridge. And um, I, I mean, as... Look, I try to put myself in the shoes of of a truck driver a lot, and I would think that one place that I would start to probably feel claustrophobia is on a big-ass bridge over a lake, especially in inclement weather. Like, I don't yeah. like the fact that all these people are close to me. I should be the only one on this bridge. Yeah, it's it's a tight bridge, too. I drove it, I drove it like, twice last year, and it's... It was not fun being in even a four wheeler because you're just you're you're tight and it's it's a long drive and I also have this reoccurring nightmare that I'm gonna fall into a large body of water in a vehicle and drown. So that also probably has something to do with it. How light? What happened to you, Caleb? Who hurt you? <laughs> I don't know. I have this nightmare like on a reoccurring basis, multiple times a year, and it's been going on since I was like five years old. So. It's know. a fair fear. I mean, at five, is it a fair fear at five? Like, did you dream of crashing <laughs> your big wheel into the water? Where did that fear well, come not, from? Well, not not me driving. Like my parents driving, and I would just like fall into the river and die because I'm not the best swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I yeah, terrifying. Now I'm gonna have that nightmare. I know since that's a thing that's in my head now. But it's uh -huh. gonna be a nightmare where I watch Caleb fall off. The oh the river my and die. god. <laughs> A shared nightmare. Look at us. It's just the way my brain works. <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, I'll wrap up the segment here by saying, if you talk to somebody from Wisconsin, can you please ask them why they haven't taken the Upper Peninsula back? It wouldn't be that <laughs> tough. Michigan's got one way to get to it. And Wisconsin's got a whole inland border. It just, it will make no sense You're to me. You're inspiring an uprising. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's wrong with Wisconsin? You know, they like to say they got some of the best cheese over there. What's Michigan got to offer? Ford? <laughs> They got Detroit, but that's not that's not a plus. <laughs> they have good fudge. Oh, Mackinac, yeah. All right. Well, uh, in Mackinac, so you got to drive all... Okay. You got to drive that scary bridge for the good fudge. I'm going to come out there and check this place out myself because I have okay. questions. Uh, let's get to our next interview here. Joining us today on the podcast, he is a vet of the industry, putting in time at JJT Transportation and Hill Brothers, but he's been a safety specialist at H&M for about eight months. Please welcome to the show, Dean Edmonds. Dean, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. No problem. Now, uh, what exactly do you do at H&M? 
mostly again like safety related tasks uh keep an eye on our drivers making sure uh, the paperwork's compliant uh making sure that uh, we keep their records updated and uh just overall just keeping the lines of communication open between drivers and and the safety department and upper management now as a safety specialist does uh things get a little bit hairy this time of year uh you have more to do because of the weather conditions that we're dealing with out on the roads well you always worry about the drivers that are out on the road because you know that the possibility for accidents you know situations that put drivers at risk are increased so you worry about your friends the drivers out on the road you just you focus really hard on making sure you're available and try to be there when as soon as they call and answer any questions they have or arrange help or whatever's needed for them so would you say snow and ice impact your job more or less oh very much snow ice you know even even rain sometimes can have a big impact uh because all those things have dangers that come with them impact drivers visibility drivers ability to control the vehicles and so on we learned earlier in the podcast that uh, rain causes about five times as many accidents as snow and ice but we kind of speculated that maybe that was something where you just see more rain and also maybe more four-wheelers have those types of problems than than truck drivers do you see a lot of rain related incidents or are you mostly worried about snow and ice oh of course any type you have inclement weather it affects uh people's drive people don't adjust their driving habits for the conditions i think uh rain part of the problem with rain is is it's it's pretty commonplace so it doesn't cause as much of a concern for people that are driving on the road uh perfect example is i'm a big advocate for always turning your headlights on making sure that you're out there, you're in a position where other people can see you. And I can't tell you how many times on the morning on the drive to work when it's raining out, people don't have their lights on. They just, they take it for granted. They don't take time to take precaution like they would if it was snowing or something of that nature. So what's your biggest piece of advice for drivers in inclement weather outside of the lights for the rain? What would you say for all inclement weather, especially snow? I would, number one is know your limits. If you don't feel safe driving, if if you are concerned that you're not able to perform and stay safe, you probably should find a place to park where it's safe, notify dispatch what's going on. That way you're not out there on the road in a potential situation that you can't control or you don't feel comfortable in. Because if, if a driver's not comfortable, if a driver's not performing to his best abilities, it, he could be a danger on the road. It's interesting because Seth told us uh, earlier in the podcast that that was something that he really listened to was his gut. And he said uh, basically that the more you question what's going on out on the roads, the more that the answer is likely just shut it down and wait for the for the conditions to clear. Very much so. It's... Uh, being prepared, you know, the old the old Boy Scout adage, you know, always be prepared is, is still holds true in so many other parts of life. You know, when you're going to travel, not only should you take a minute to look at the, uh, the almanac or the map to see where you're going, but also take a look at the weather to see what the weather is going to be like, where you're going to, so you can adjust your, your speeds, you can adjust your timetable to accommodate what may happen. 
Yeah, and talk to us more about the preparation because I think I overheard you guys talking in the office today when I stopped by about um, the fifth wheel. Uh, do you prepare your trucks in different ways for the winter? Well, uh, you know, mentioning the fifth wheel, one thing that I have seen consistently in my time in this industry is this time of year, uh, the grease that's in the fifth wheel that helps that mechanism move gets contaminated with road debris. It gets cold, it freezes. So it's important to make sure that that's as clean as possible. Uh, our shop suggests that drivers carry WD-40, uh, other kinds of lubricant. That way they can go in and physically check the fifth wheel, make sure all the, the points where the mechanism moves uh, are lubricated and clean. That way, when you back under a trailer, you latch onto it, you know that the fifth wheel is going to latch and not come loose and possibly lose a trailer. Has that happened before? Have like you seen trucks lose uh, their trailer before because it hasn't been greased? Yeah, every year. Every year. Wow, it's, really? It's a consistent occurrence. And, you know, that's why I've kind of always, that's one of the things that is not real commonplace, but has always been kind of my little point of conversation with drivers when the weather starts to change. You know, some other things when you're talking about making sure your vehicle's prepared for this time of year. Uh, when the season changes, a lot of drivers, uh, even myself in my personal vehicle, I use a windshield washer fluid that's a little different than what you would want to use in the wintertime. The stuff in the summertime, a lot of times we'll have agents to help break down the bug and guts to keep your windshield clean. But that stuff isn't rated to as low of a temperature as what the more common stuff is. So it's important to make sure that the windshield washer, washer fluid that you have in the truck is appropriate. It's gonna stay a liquid in this time of year when things start to get 20 degrees below zero. You know, those things, making sure you have washer fluid, make sure you have extra washer fluid. Because as we all know, when you're driving around, when, the, when there's wet and moisture on the ground, that stuff splatters up. And you're, you're using it a lot more. So, and it's very easy to run out when you're operating a truck 60 hours a week. It's an interesting point. I, I've noticed uh, during the winter months more than not that I get this weird, like, greasy sheen on my windshield that uh, even, like, Rain-X and really, I have to take what's what they call glass stripper to get it off sometimes, and mm -hmm. I never know if it comes from the road or if it comes from a gas, uh, gas station squeegee, to be honest with you, uh, <laughs> because I know that it's just, it's dirty out there, but um, that's something that nobody brought up to us before is, is extra washer fluid, and I want to ask you one more question about your personal vehicle because we've touched on it a few times today do you know what studded tires are yes okay because maria and caleb had no idea what a studded tire was i'm from the pacific northwest we use them religiously over here but we also don't salt the roads in the state that i'm in uh so i had to give maria and caleb a little lesson on studs today <laughs> yeah I, I grew up in nebraska i've always lived here I have a family background that kind of comes from automotive and service station, so I'm aware of them. I've never, you know, I had snow tires on my first car when I was learning to drive 16, 17 years old, but I just have a good set of all-season tires now. 
And you talked about your family there, and I did I did some digging, and I talked to some people in the office, and it sounds like your son is a helicopter pilot. Is that true? Very much so, yep. My son's currently living in uh, Philadelphia, and uh, he just finished up uh, pilot training at Southern Utah University. And he is a, he's 24, going to be 25 years old, and he is a licensed uh, helicopter pilot instructor and uh, right now the company that he works for does tours in around philadelphia that's awesome wow how, how did he get into that then has it always been a passion well uh aviation has always been kind of a part of my family's passion um when my son was younger growing up my dad had his own airplane so you know aviation was an interest was something that was a focus uh, my son made the decision at, uh, I believe it was 15 years old, when he was in Boy Scouts. He went to a, a Boy Scout jamboree, and the uh, National Guard came in with their helicopters. And at that point, something clicked, and he came home from that event, and he said, Dad, I want to fly helicopters. That's so cool. So, you know, and what's, what makes me so proud is he said that at 15 years old, 10 years later, He's doing it. He's living that life that he wanted. And uh, I couldn't ask for any more than that as a parent. Yeah, that that's wonderful that he is actually living out that dream and fulfilling it. So we talked about your son, but what brought you to the trucking world and the safety world? Uh, it was kind of a progression. Uh, initially, I had taken a job opportunity uh, doing uh, weekend breakdowns at Hill Brothers. And... Uh, in that position, I spent a lot of time on the phone talking to drivers uh, when they had mechanical issues, things that needed to be taken care of when they were on the road. And just kind of the more I learned about trucking, the more I got to communicate with drivers, kind of getting into the life and living the life, I guess, is the best way to, to say it. I just kind of fell deeper and deeper into it. And uh, obviously, safety is a very important uh, piece, you know, that allows everybody to go home at the end of the day and spend time with their family. And uh, being in safety is kind of a double-edged sword. You have to be the guy that upholds the rules. You, got, you have to be the guy that kind of keeps the focus on the regulations. But ultimately, you're also the guy that helps every, keeps everybody self safe and allows them to get home to their families mm -hmm. and, and do their passions, the things that they go to work for every day to, to do. Is it hard to balance that? Because obviously you want to be a resource. You want to be the, uh, the go-to for safety for your drivers, but you also want to be somebody that they can trust and have faith in uh, when they're out there on the road. How, how do you balance those two? I would say it is a tough balance because again, you want to be, you want to be a friend. You want to get along with everybody, but you don't, you're looking forward. You're always kind of looking at what, what could happen. So you have to be happy, be secure in your decision that you're making the right decision to keep everybody happy and keep everybody safe. Something we asked John was how fast he's gone in his own personal vehicle. And, uh, I don't want to call him a politician. He danced around it a little bit, but uh, as a safety director, what's what's the speedometer read in your vehicle? Now, this is going back, probably my peak, going back to my very first car, 
16 years old, you know, pushing the boundaries, trying to learn how invincible I am. I, my car speedometer topped out at 85 and I buried it. So, all right. Uh, that's, that's good. That's all the farther I can go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I had an old 72 Chevy with a, with a drag race engine in it and that speedometer stopped at 100. And I just know that it was, was not even close. <laughs> <laughs> and I will tell you that, uh, there is a uh, officer in Wyoming that will tell you about an incident where I did 87 about two and a half years ago. So that's pretty impressive. <laughs> 87. I know about I, Dean is going, Dean is going faster than me in my car. I've never been above 85. So yep. you and me, Dean, oh. we're the, uh, we're the experienced racers in this bunch. Well, that's true. Daredevils. if you, uh, if you're going to talk to somebody about speed, you have to be able to experience it and, and come from experience. Yes, sir. What a good <laughs> yes, way to sir. put it. So, as we're wrapping up this episode, I just wanted to ask you, so have you seen, you've been in the industry for a while, what's the worst snow-related accident or winter-related accident that you've heard or dealt with? The, the biggest things that you hear and you see that are scary are when the four-wheelers, the uh, unprofessional drivers that are out on the road are driving beyond their limits and they lose control of their vehicle and they either go across lanes through mediums and come into somebody else's lane of travel. To me, that's, that's, you know, that's some of the scariest stuff because that's involving somebody else that was doing everything right, was paying attention to what was going on and just got caught up in someone else's negligence, them just not paying attention. Or as I said earlier, someone not knowing their limits. You handed me a few pieces of paper actually the, the other day, and it had like a list of things to keep in mind when mm -hmm. driving it in the winter. And to end with this, it, one of them that stuck out to me was uh, the saying, if your wipers are on, the cruise should be off. Is is that true? Very much so. Um, and with that, uh, with inclement weather, uh, we would include your engine brake. Uh, you would want to disengage oh. that because uh, you, you want to be able to want, be the one in control. You don't want the vehicle be driving itself when conditions change because uh, you need if you're if you're on the cruise control you're not able to react a lot of times what happens is somebody will make up a, a fast break event or a hard break event and that's the last thing you want to do in inclement weather you want to be slow you want to be steady you don't want to do any sudden actions that change the momentum of that truck so driving you know with your cruise control off gives you more control over the foot gives you more control over the speed that you're traveling well that's that's great advice we you heard it here first folks uh keep if your wipers are on keep the cruise off and we got to thank you so much dean edmonds for being here on unplugged otr today um, and to our listeners thank you for listening in on this episode remember to leave us a review on apple Podcasts or spotify and if you have anything to say to us remember to contact us at sayhi.chat slash otr for marcus maria myself and dean this has been unplugged otr thanks everybody Thanks for listening to Unplugged OTR. Remember to tell us your stories at sayhi.chat forward slash OTR. Again, that's sayhi.chat forward slash OTR. Or find us on social media channels. 
If you want to hear more about driving jobs at H&M, find them at hmtrucking.com or on Facebook. Tune in next time and keep the shiny side up, drivers.